Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Starship Podcast Warlock. As always, my name is Drew. As always, my name is Jeff. And we are watching Blackadder. Season two of this podcast is all about Blackadder. But this is season three of Blackadder, which is really yes. confusing. Yeah, it, it really has been. Like, I've started naming files, and it's, it's very, very confusing. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Uh, speaking of confusing, uh, I am drinking for this recording. Oh, good. I didn't want to feel like it was just me. What are you drinking? No, I have some mead, actually, from a local meadery, and it's uh, very good. <laughs> are you really astonished, or are you just trying to make some drama? No, well, I'm saying I, I've been having plenty of mead over some of our uh, drinks, but I do not have mead this time. I'm uh, having cognac. Cognac. Cognac the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, and I also just watched a Six Things tournament at... Uh, online from comedy sports hosted by csc chicago so i'm a little bit punchy Ooh, this is gonna be fun i think it is <laughs> so everyone we we usually talk about a thing before we go into the episode as you know um and uh i'll i'll just be shaped like a turnip <laughs> i'll just be transparent as they say at work and tell you that uh it has been increasingly challenging coming up with topics to tell you about uh, related to Blackadder, and I'm not sure why, but uh, we have uh, realized that although we talked about the time period during which the Young Ones took place in our previous season, we haven't really talked about the time period of Blackadder 3, which comes after all that. So today, we are going to talk about what we were doing, watching, reading, listening to, whatever it is, in 1987. Jeff, where were you in 1987? Well, 1987, and when this aired, which was uh, in the fall, in in September, October, originally in mm. um, in the UK, uh, I was just starting freshman year of high school. Um, I had no idea that this existed, as I think I mentioned, until um, until college. So uh, so this went right by me. But uh, yeah, freshman year of high school. Okay. Um, well, that means I was in eighth grade, which seems about right. Uh, yeah, I was just turning. 13, I guess, around that time, which is uh, about as awkward as it gets. I don't know. My my awkward period stretched out for a long time. (laughs) I still may be in the awkward period. (laughs) I'm having my second awkward period. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it was an awkward time. Uh, I'm so I'm pretty sure I had a mullet at some point during middle school, but it's difficult for me to remember. All I remember is the sensation of reaching up to the back of my head and, and feeling it just curling up. Like it just wow. it just curled 180 degrees up. I remember that. See, see I never grew my hair out until um, until college. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, it was the, my parents always cut my hair. And uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, I had a, a part down the side. And then, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, and always always very short hair, which is hysterical to me now. Well, okay, there isn't so much hair left in the front, but um, but I have the opposite problem. Yeah, which considering I'm cutting my hair right now is (laughs) is very uh, difficult to deal with because I have to angle the mirrors just right to figure out what's going on there. I mean, I should just take my you know my beard that grows so very quickly and paste that on the top of my head, and then I'd be fine. That always works. Yeah, Um, yeah. So we. so we were in school in 1987. Uh, I was, so I guess I'd been at that school 
for a year. We had we moved to uh, Central New York when I was uh, starting seventh grade, so I had this super awkward period of not only being in seventh grade, but also being completely new to that school and not knowing anyone, and and generally being a nerd in. Uh, in addition to that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was an awkward time. And I remember lots of embarrassing things from that time that I wish I didn't. Hmm. I'm well, not going to relate any of them right now, but I have do an, remember. Have another, have another drink. Yeah. Um, oh, great we, idea. We can always edit it out later. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, this one time in the locker room, just kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So let's see what else was going on then. Uh, I, I think that was mainly, Oh, wait a minute. I just remembered something else that happened around that time. So yeah. Um, I think it was, it must've started with, okay, so here's the deal. I, this is so funny. I haven't thought about this in forever. Um, I was in a doctor who fan club around this time. Oh, so <laughs> there was a fan club that somehow we found out. I don't know if my mom found out or whatever that was meeting at uh, a local library, like one town away. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was, it was grownups pretty much for the whole thing. Um, or people that seemed like grownups at the time. And, but I was, I was going to this thing and, uh, hopefully not being totally annoying, but probably a little bit. And I saw a bunch of Dr. Who that I'd never seen like at this lady's house who kind of ran the thing and she uh she would show them on a big screen and we'd all kind of hang out and watch them um so i saw a bunch of it that way um and i do remember was she showing was she showing new episodes at the time we we i mean so uh or well actually considering that for the uk that was uh we we talked about that was uh the beginning of sylvester mccoy's term but I, i don't know how quickly that aired over here compared to there yeah so i'm trying to remember the timing of it because i know that uh somewhere like that had started before colin baker started i think so you know we were watching old episodes for the most part and i think it was not coming over here and being broadcast simultaneously Mm. yet um but somehow i think somebody got hold of you know videotapes of the colin baker episodes i think i think they must have interesting um i they must have like traded for them or something i think that's how it happened i remember i had some of them later on which i must have taped off pbs so i guess they must also have started showing it but i vividly remember uh i'm i'm pretty sure we were at one of those meetings when i saw uh time in the ronnie for the first time the first episode Mm of uh season 24 um, and I'm trying to remember what I thought of it. Like, I think, I think it was sort of exciting to have a new doctor and trial of a time where it had been kind of corny. Um, and then time and Ronnie was even more corny. <laughs> so I was like, what is happening here with the show? At least it was no twin dilemma, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, that was also like, it must've been a little bit later. Maybe it was like 1988 or even 1989 when I finally saw the McCoy era, because I remember at that mm. time I was kind of, I thought I was outgrowing the show. You know, I was like, Oh, Blake seven is so much more, uh, edgy huh. and exciting and Dr. Who's for kids. And so like, you know, I started to be like, Neh. um, and of course I would come back to it later on 
thanks to you, I think, for showing me the Eccleston era and then the Tenant era, and then I finally I'm, got back into it. I mean, I remember when Eccleston came out, and, and of course here it was actually like it was delayed by several months before they were showing it on BBC America mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and um, I don't remember. Did I was the, was I the one that that showed that to you originally? I'm, I'm you must kind of have surprised been. by that. Yeah, interesting. I, so. I mean, I I know I I didn't really start watching Doctor Who until like. I mean, as a kid, I remember it being on PBS, and it was mm-hmm. usually Tom Baker era because, I mean, well, I was a I was a kid at that time, um, and certainly he spanned a, a long enough period of time too. But like, I, I only remember seeing Baker and Pertwee as a uh, as a kid. Interestingly enough, yeah, for me, um, that was mostly what we got too. Yeah, um, still my so favorite yeah, era. I, yeah, so I, yeah, that's that's interesting, but I. Um, but even that I associate with, I mean, certainly, you know, even if that was playing into the early 80s or whatever, uh, I, I certainly wasn't seeing much on, on PBS and Doctor Who in, in, the, in the late 80s. So that was kind of a, that, that was really an era I watched much later on. Yeah. I, we had a newsletter to this fan club. And I remember writing stories for it. <laughs> Some of which were just like truly just fanfic. You know, I've kind of blocked out the fact, but I did write fanfic. I had a story called Return to Peladon, which was, you know, set, of course, oh. in the same planet as the Curse of Peladon and the Monster of Peladon. But, uh, oh, God, I just thought of a good featured for nowadays. It'd featured, be Peladon. Oh, my God. Uh, it featured anyway. Tegan Turlow and the Fifth Doctor. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I have to see if I can find it. I remember I writing mean, it on notebook paper. I, I remember your, your next generation. Um, <laughs> fanfic uh i think i have a copy of it somehow that you gave to me <laughs> you probably do i mean but that was like the doctor who when i was i was trying to do it right and and the next generation thing was like kind of a parody which was based on the comic strips a friend of mine did where he was the captain of the enterprise uh and a, and a right good captain too <laughs> so i i started writing uh and so like all of our friends were in it and uh so i started writing stories in that universe, it feels so weird to say that, uh, but I was basically Q, which I, was I a lot of fun. I recall bits of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, this would have ended up in an archive of one's own if we were born in a later era, I suspect. Right. Um. Anyway, uh, that's what's the kind of nerdy stuff I did. But, oh, I, I didn't finish the story. So I actually also oh, yes. wrote the same kind of thing about the people in the fan club. Like, uh, essentially, again, parodies, but... Uh, I don't remember like how they reacted to the fact that I put them into these stories and made them like (laughs) Cybermen and Daleks and things. And looking back now, I'm like, what was I thinking? But that was, that was me as a, as a um, middle schooler, uh, just embarrassing all around. I can't criticize. I had enough embarrassing things. uh, um, uh, All of which still exist. Sadly. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, the, the evidence has not been destroyed. So uh, the other thing we're going to do to help jog our memories about t- 1987, uh, possibly triggering trauma. So there may be like a, a fetal position pause in here for, at some point. For us or for the audience? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, they're used to it, but for us, it's new. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to go through uh, our favorite source of truth in the universe, which is Wikipedia, and uh, go through like the films and the music and the... Um, TV because there was a lot of great music in 1987 actually so that was the year 
So that was the year I started taking guitar lessons from a guy. I, I don't, I'm not going to call him a metalhead, but he definitely was a metal fan. Um, and he was teaching guitar lessons at the local music store, you know, and for this brief period in 1987, I was into, um, like Guns N' Roses and Def Leppard and Cinderella and Van oh Halen and Led Zeppelin. I can't picture, I can't picture that of you. That's, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, I still like some of those bands, but yeah, there was this, there was this brief period when that was my thing. I genuinely liked it. Um, but there was also this thing in 1987 where I think that was around when 120 minutes or postmodern MTV or whatever started. And so it's probably about right. Yeah. So like all this cool alternative music started cropping up and I was getting into that. So like I was asking my guitar teacher, Hey, can you teach me how to play like the B 52s or REM? <laughs> and he's like trying to teach me Ozzy Osbourne songs. And it was just, was not going to work out. See, and I, I was busy playing clarinet and, and <laughs> sax and saxophone, but that, that was about it. Um, oh my God. So, all right, let's take a look uh, at films. Wait, do you have anything else? I, I'm just rolling right over here. Oh, for, for 87? I mean, yeah. for, for me, that was my last year of uh, summer camp, of sleep oh, camp. Oh, okay. A after that, then I did actually, I did summer programs, which was uh, like academic or, or creative related things or whatever. But the last year mm -hmm. of actual summer camp was... Uh, was 87 um and that was a uh, that was a hoot um yeah uh, i'm i'm envious i think that would have been a fun thing to have in my I, childhood I'm, yeah uh su summer camp was was so bloody amazing you know getting away from your parents for a whole month or two right and, uh, and um yeah that that was that was pretty amazing um i actually still have uh, my camp is actually on facebook and like i oh, just wow. saw the anniversary of i have the actual picture but i but i just saw the anniversary posting the picture of like um all of us posed in front of our uh, our our bunks basically uh so um i, I don't know why today was the anniversary of, of it being posted but it was so uh um i, I had to laugh at that uh, let's see what else went on in 87 that I was going to mention. Um, uh, not, not a ton. I suppose let's, let's get to the, the music and, uh, and TV related things and something else will pop into my head. I'm sure. All right. Well, uh, I'm looking at the film page, first of all, 1987 and film, the yep. top 10 box office gross films. I'm sure I didn't see any of those in 1987 like fatal attraction obviously i i would not have seen as a i uh, saw interesting the number teen. one the number one was three men and a baby you know uh -huh. I, I saw that but i remember the original french uh three three men in a, in a cradle uh and i saw that at like a budget theater you know that was oh like a God. couple of years earlier and that was like that was my first taste after seeing the, the american three men and a baby which is a cute movie but just realizing how um, how they really, really dumbed it down by comparison. <laughs> the, the, the original French one was was um, was much funnier. Um, I, I have to admit. Oh my gosh, I had no idea there was even an original French one. That's funny. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's totally worth seeing. Um, let's see the other ones on this list. Uh, oh, I remember seeing Good Morning Vietnam in the theater, and that was one of those that I could quote verbatim. I mean, and even when that was on TV years later, I you know before we had a, a VCR, which you didn't for many years, I would basically put my uh, cassette recorder. Yes, I said cassette recorder next to the TV <laughs> and, and, and tape the audio. And I, I had, I, I had most of Robin Williams stick down from Good Morning Vietnam to my parents' chagrin. Oh my like, god! That, that was like, I mean, it was enough. They had to listen to Who's on First and the, all the old time radio stuff that they had. <laughs> but, but then, yeah, they had to listen to that. I'm quoting I'm, from a young age. No, 
I regret nothing. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they regret plenty, but yeah. I, I'm trying to think if I've even seen Good Morning Vietnam. I don't think I have. Oh, man. Maybe I have. Uh, yeah. you, but I have you, seen you... The Witches of Eastwick. Yes. Oh, yes. I see that's on there. I saw that years later. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Lethal Weapon. Um, I, I didn't see either of those at the time. Uh, Untouchables, I know I saw. Moonstruck, I know I saw. But um, yeah, not, none of those are really leaping out at me. I'm sure I saw Beverly Hills Cop 2, but I only really remember the first one. So The Living Daylights was not the first Bond film I saw. That, I mean, the first, I guess, contemporary Bond film I saw was uh, while my parents are out. Like, my dad had taped of You to a Kill, and mm-hmm. I was watching some of it, because I'm pretty sure it was rated R. Um, and then yeah. there's that <laughs> those weird, weird scenes with Christopher Walken, Grace Jones, and Roger Moore, and I'm sure that was... Uh, like warped me or something as a kid. Like it was, it was a little traumatic at the age that I watched it, but the living daylights, I think was the first bond film that came out while I was alive that I watched around the same time. And I loved it. It's still interesting. Still one. I I really enjoy. I saw um, the first bond film. I actually saw in the theater, believe it or not, because I think it was PG and I, I was only a kid at the time, but I saw Moonraker. Oh, wow. And what I remember about it, uh, the only thing I remember about it was they had the teaser trailer for Alien. Ah. Uh. So, you know, it told you nothing. It just showed you a picture of the, the egg and in mm-hmm. space no one can hear you scream. And I was just like, wow, what is it? Of course, I didn't get to see the movie until years <laughs> later. Uh, if I was, you know, six or seven or something like that, there was no way in, in hell I was going to get yeah, a chance to yeah. see that. And I, I would have, uh, that movie would have scared the crap out of me anyway. Oh, but, yeah. Um, well, uh, the funny thing is I saw it around, I saw Aliens certainly aliens somewhere around this time, either 1987 or 1988. Cause what happened was, so I've already aliens, mentioned not alien. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've yeah. already mentioned that I like read a lot of novelizations of movies before I saw the movies and I, I mm-hmm. read aliens and then I read alien and then huh. like later. So I guess there was some kind of weird, like visit another school thing going on and, and stay yeah. over at somebody's house, which was so awkward. But like, um, I got paired up with this, this other kid and he had, uh, the tape of aliens. And so I got to see it <laughs> like without my parents' knowledge at this other thing. I, I don't know if they really would have cared, but like, you know, at the time, if it was like a scary R movie, I wouldn't watch it at home, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I did see it uh, around around this age. So, uh, looking through the the different movies that are here uh, uh, that aired during the year, I do remember seeing oh. Radio Days. Um, <laughs> I uh, I what was the one I was going to mention? Um, <laughs> Evil Dead Two came out. I didn't see that till years later. Obviously, until till college. That was the first movie I think I got dragged to in college, and that was the uh, you know this this is a cult movie. This is the definition of cult movie mm-hmm. before anybody had really heard who knew who Sam Raimi or Bruce, Bruce Campbell was. Uh, Raising Arizona. I didn't see that at the time. I've since obviously seen that. Um, uh, here's keep forgetting. Here's one I'll oh, jump God. in with, um, which is I, I'm sure I didn't see this in '87 because again I saw it on videotape, but the first like slasher type film I ever saw was a nightmare on Elm street three dream warriors. Uh, Oh, I I saw it at a friend's birthday party and, uh, it was the first one we watched was dirty dancing. The second one was (laughs) dream warriors. It was such a weird night. What did you you say? What did you say? Oh, about, Oh, you just reminded me because, um, the last day of, which I think is technically 88, the, the last day of, um, 
my freshman year of high school, uh, the very last period, um, the teacher basically was like, well, we have a little extra time or whatever. And it was like a double period or whatever, because I think it was like shop class or something. And he wheeled in a VCR and we watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street. You you mentioned that in a previous podcast and it blew my mind. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see, you know, especially oh the opening. And, and, uh, I just, yeah, I can't picture that like, happening in a school nowadays. But um, th- Try to think of a film already. that's less appropriate to show a bunch of, like, middle schoolers or high schoolers I'm or sure I can. I'm sure I can think of worse, well, but probably. I can think of much better. Oh, um, my God. Oh, God. Uh, also, in April of that year, Police Academy 4, which was the first Police Academy I ever remember seeing. God mm-hmm. knows why. Um, I remember seeing that one in the theater. Um, Did you see Spaceballs in the theater? Oh, yes. Yes, I did, too. Oh, yes. And that was another one that, of course, I quoted a million <laughs> freaking times. And uh, But in that case, they weren't. They didn't feel too bad about that, actually. Well, Predator, Dragnet. Uh, you yeah. probably realized that I, I really was uh, found it embarrassing to, like, swear or, like, encounter anything, like, vaguely sexual or whatever around my parents, you know? So, like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So my mom took me to see Spaceballs in the theater. And at the time, it was a very rude movie to me as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, whatever. Uh, it was very embarrassing to be sitting there watching that with my mom. Yeah. Uh, I but mean, I loved it. I mean, I had already seen, um, you know, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein at, mm-hmm. that, at that point. So I was, I was already well familiar with Mel Brooks and, uh, and his obra. So, uh, <laughs> well, I wasn't a sheltered kid, but I was a sheltered kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I unsheltered no, I myself. It. Oh God, RoboCop was that year. I, I I I didn't see it in the theater. My memory of that one is more along the lines of when that first came out on video. That mm-hmm. um, that uh, friend of mine that had a, a um, VCR that we were over at his place, and I remember watching. And there's a scene where the guy gets doused with toxic waste, and his skin just starts sloughing off, and he ends up ambling across the street, you know, half melted. In the oh God, that's car, right. This car this car runs him over, and my friend thought it was the most amazing thing ever. So he kept like, he would get to that point and he just kept rewinding it and playing it, going through oh some motion again, again, just to watch the splat. I, I might add that guy later became a state trooper and would take pictures of his road kills. Oh my God. Um, that's very so disturbing. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> the lost boys was that I year was just looking at that. Yeah, no, I, Which, I, Saw that years later also. That, I Same. I didn't see that at the time. But I do remember, like, this is about the time I started reading Starlog magazine because... Ah, yes. Yep. Uh, partly because Star Trek The Next Generation, I think, started that year, right? It did. We, I mean, if we get into the TV, I, I jumped to the TV thing in Wikipedia, and yes, uh, it started literally almost the day that I started... Um, uh, that I started high school, I remember seeing all the, the advertisements for it that was counting down in five days. The 24th century oh is about to begin. What? And it was the end. I'm going to high school. Everything's changing. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I remember seeing, like, pictures from the Lost Boys in Starlog and, and thinking Jamie Gertz was, like, the most gorgeous thing. Uh, I which, mean, you're not you know, wrong. Yeah, I wasn't wrong. Um, so I, I do adore that movie, The Lost Boys. It's one of my faves. Uh, let's see. Uh, Masters of the Universe. Oh, God. Uh, who's That Girl? Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, I do uh, love the soundtrack to Who's That Girl. Yes, um, oh, Dirty Dancing. You mentioned Dirty Dancing, uh, the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Oh dear God! Um, uh, so guess who loves that movie? Uh, my lovely girlfriend. I 
<laughs> was pretty sure. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's not I, I, so I, on brand I adore for her, her for that. I adore her for that. Um, <laughs> I, I do yeah, too. I like I, I can't love it, but I kind of love that she loves it because it's so um, horrifying. All right. Movie that I did not see in the theater that was in the theater for maybe all of two minutes, but aired on TV a million times. And I must have watched it a million times. Amazon Women on the Moon. I knew you were going to say that. How did I know that? Uh huh. I don't know. I remember we watched that a lot. I think my freshman year, I remember quoting that stuff a lot and particularly the uh, David Allen Greer's Don No Soul Simmons for some reason just cracked <laughs> us up to no end. Well, I've never seen it, but again, I have seen pictures of it in Starlog magazine. Um, have you seen Kentucky Fried Movie? Yes, I have. Okay. I mean, this it feels like a spiritual successor. You it. know the connection between comedy sports and Kentucky Fried Movie, right? Um, uh, I should remember that. The Dick Chudno and, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, founder of Comedy Sports uh-huh. co-wrote that movie or co-made it. I, I don't remember exactly don't how remember, it broke down, but yeah, he was heavily involved. Well, also Kentucky Fried Theater, like a lot of that, um, the, those folks and the and the Zuckers would have came, I think, from like you know University of Wisconsin or that area. Um, so uh, I, I don't remember all the specifics. So actually, um, that was one of the cool things when I when I went to. Um, UW, I felt like I should have soaked in a little more of, of that. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, I think, was responsible for, um, were they the Pail and Shovel Party? Or, or one of the folks that, that famously did the bit where on one of the lakes in University of Wisconsin where um, the lake froze over. And so as a, as a gag, they built like the face and the upper half of like the Statue of Liberty, like in Planet of the Apes at the end, and just basically put it on the ice so it was sitting on top of the ice. So oh it looked God. like she was protruding from the ice. Uh, yeah, that, there was um, that, there are some great comedy roots there uh, between between comedy sports and um, and that that writing crew. And I mean, certainly, well, I think Jim Mallon was the only MST person that was actually in uh, UW Madison, as opposed to um, as opposed to one of the sub universities or, or you know the folks mm-hmm. that eventually ended up in in KTMA in in, um, in Minnesota area, but. Uh, wow. Um, we gotta, yeah, we, we gotta cook through this a little bit. We're almost at the half hour mark. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, Princess we'll Bride. Step I, on I it. I think I heard, I think I heard of that one. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, Hellraiser. Uh, another thing that I read the book of before I ever saw the movie. Prince of Darkness. Uh, uh Morris, the adaptation of, uh, the, oh, hold on. Why am I suddenly blanking on his name? Uh, I keep thinking Merchant Ivory, but they're the directors. Um, Oh my God! E.M. Forster, E.M. Forster. Ah, yes. Adaptation um, of that novel. Um, we, did, of course, I didn't see it at the time, but a few years later, um, my uh, gay friends from high school and I would watch it and be uh, like, that was our only sort of gateway to uh, gay culture at all <laughs> from where we were. That and Ro- Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Let's see, Princess Bride. Yes, yes, yes. Da 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 da. Less than zero. Oh yes, Lesson Zero. Yeah, uh, Brett Easton Ellis novels were mm-hmm. also very important to my uh, developing awareness of my sexuality. Kind of Throw disturbing. From the train, Wall Street. Sign of the Times, the uh, concert yeah. film. Mm-hmm. And of course, That's the album. Good. Great album. Mm. Uh, let's see. I'm just skimming real fast now. Okay, so let's just switch over to music. Music, music, I, music. I think I mentioned the one thing that I remembered was um, I, I remember sitting freshman year at a table at lunch and uh, 
most of the, the women at my table that were agog over um, George Michael over George Michael <laughs> in, in faith. Um, I, I couldn't break it to them. I really couldn't. Oh uh, man. Well, you know, I had no idea. Like at this I don't point, think I, I don't think any of us did actually at the time. Come to think of it, I mean, at this at this point, I I sort of was not aware that anyone was gay in real life. <laughs> so like all these bands, very obvious now, Erasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pet Shop Boys, etc. You know, I, I had no clue at all uh, what was going on Bronsky, with them. Bronsky Beat. Well, I had not heard of Bronsky Beat at that time, but oh uh, yeah, uh, um, I wish I had, um, but no. Let's see. Uh, so through the Looking Glass, Susie and the Banshees, amazing cover album. Uh, but I was not aware of all of these things at the time. But I was aware of Expose. Oh yes, song exposure. I remember. Th- uh-huh. Um, I, I love that that sound of 1987, that kind of Florida, like, high energy, whatever it is, sound. It was really, really fun. I think a point of no return. Um, uh, um, U2 releases the Joshua Tree. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, something close to my heart, the career that would end in an infamous appearance at the Brit Awards and the burning of a million pounds began in Britain as the justified ancients of Moo Moo released their <laughs> debut single, All You Need Is Love. Oh, my God. Yay. Yay. I'm looking to see what else was important to me at the time. I mean, there was there was oh, a lot God. of stuff. Whitney Houston's second album, Whitney, becomes the first album. At, all right, wh- let's talk Whitney Houston for a second. Um, oh, okay. Uh, just it's Whitney Houston screams summer camp for me because interesting um, that there were some songs that they would be playing over like the loudspeakers, oddly enough, and there was also like they would have talent shows, and and one of them for some reason people were lip syncing. They weren't even singing, which is probably a kindness, but uh, but. Like both '86 and '87, I remember that it was Whitney Houston songs that were popular. And of like one year out of the 25 acts, 21 of them were lip syncing to "I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me." <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I mean torture, torture. I tell oh you. Oh my god. Well, you know, I never really thought like I wasn't like a Whitney Houston fan at the time, but I do have sort of fond memories of some of those songs now. Now that they're not on the radio like 4,000 times a day. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Let's see. Um, One of the first cassette singles I ever had was, uh, I think it's called Little Lies from uh, Tango in the Night, the Fleetwood Mac album. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. so cool. Huh. Not really. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. Kylie Minogue's recording career begins with her release of the cover version of Locomotion. Oh, that's right. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. I remember that. Uh, Guns N' Roses releases Appetite for Destruction. Oh, yeah. So that was one of the albums that uh, was part of that sort of brief, brief metal phase. And because uh, I didn't want my parents to know that I bought that, you know, like scandalous album, I bought that <laughs> and GNR Lies on a trip to Quebec in, in like school. We, we, we went to Canada and I bought it there. Oh, God, you, you just reminded me of something else. That was the year that, um, 87... I mean, I had taken a year of French at that point in school. Prior to that, we, we didn't start taking language classes until eighth grade. And so that summer, in between eighth grade and ninth, we drove to Canada and, and we went to um, Quebec City and Montreal. And, oh, wow. And, and my parents were like, you know, then you can speak French. You can order from the menu in French. And I was way too mortified to try and do that. So like, um, <laughs> I could potentially read the stuff on there, but I, I, I just, I, I couldn't. I could not say anything in in French, I just froze up. Well, um, we did the same thing. So I went with the, the French students at school, like the, the people who were taking French. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the the one and only time we tried it was we stopped at like this fast food type place, I think right over the border. 
Um, and uh, I remember trying to ask for salt, I think it was. So I was saying sell, you know, and they're like salad, you know, <laughs> and trying to figure it out. And I think I, I, think I got through the whole order in French and then they handed it to me and said, you know, thank you or something else in English. And I was like, why did I even? <laughs> because I was a dumb kid. I didn't know. Yeah. All right, here, here we go. Um, Michael Jackson releases Bad on August 31st. Oh, yes. Um, and there we go. October 30th, George Michael releases Faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and, and something I didn't... Well, I didn't like it initially because, again, like anything that was on the radio like a million times, I kind of resented. And Faith was like constantly on the radio. Oh, but yes, it was. I liked some of the other songs on the album. Um and so I eventually did buy it and, and did get to like it. I remember Father Figure being played a lot. Also. That was one that I really liked uh, back yeah. before I really knew what the heck he was talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's funny you should mention that. Like, I, I, I um, my, my favorite example of a, I didn't know what the hell was being sung, but I liked <laughs> it anyway, was um, myself and one of my best friends at the time, I mean, uh, we saw Greece at a very young age. And in fact, he had HBO. We didn't have HBO. And I remember going over their place and we would just, we'd watch it. It was like a sleepover party. And we were actually, it was the whole family would be there. Um, mm-hmm. And then they would go home, but we'd, we'd sleep. And, um, and you know, I had the record. Um, I had the 33, dear God. And I'm pretty sure we still have it at home. And like, we used to act out Grease Lightning on, on our, our living room <laughs> with our, or with our jackets. And I, I, we have pictures of it actually in the family album. And I can tell you that I sure as hell did not know what some of the words in that song meant. Uh, <laughs> and, and and I didn't think that I didn't know anyways. It was just fun stuff to sing. And I'm not even sure my parents noticed or they or either that or they must have figured that I had no idea either. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's funny because it didn't dawn on me until and it would have been around this time around 87 or so that uh, a couple of friends of mine, they were they were. It's funny. I was still going as. um uh, I was still going to camp as a as a kid, but uh, a couple of them were actually as counselors, and uh, I saw a production. They did like a little cut down production of Greece when I went to go visit them, and the song was cut to shreds, and I didn't understand why. And then that was the first time I thought about the words that were missing, and all of a sudden, like the light bulb went off in my head. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, my childhood is ruined. You know, I, I'm not super familiar with Greece, so like I don't remember what the words are, and I'm gonna have to look it up after this to, to find out what you're talking about. But I mean this is I, a great I'm sure story I can, regardless. I can say it and if not, you can you can chop this off. But um but you know, they refer to the because it's a it's a reference to the car, they refer to the uh-huh. car as a pussy wagon. Oh god. <laughs> uh, and you know, and, and the word shit and tickets thrown around and a, a few other things, but like uh-huh. uh, pussy wagon in particular, I had no idea what the hell that was talking about. <laughs> Uh, what a great you're waving a cat back and forth what i mean i just yeah oh my god all right uh let's see we also have terrence trent darby's debut an album that i have only grown uh, to love even more over the years it's actually quite brilliant i like it a lot uh w- wishing well drove me it, that was the song that if it popped up on the radio one more time i would i would yeah either bl- so yeah same but uh i did love sign your name i actually auditioned with it <laughs> when i when i did uh, love's labor's lost that was the song i sang um, um, and, uh, and yeah, the rest of the album is really great. And I like wishing well now that I haven't, you know, heard it so often. So, right. Exactly. Um, I thought, but I, I guess it's not the case. I thought maybe it must've been 88. I thought 87 was, uh, 
was um, Rick Astley. Hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, November, whenever you need somebody. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely is. Never, never going to give you up. Let me see when it was released as a single. Um, it was released as a single on 27th of July, 1987. So there you go. All right. Uh, Hysteria by Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. Uh, still an album I really love. Like it's it's so of its time, but it's it's almost not too. It's it's really uh, oh still very appealing. Uh, another one that I certainly didn't hear until college because this screamed college band at the time. And I actually remember visiting University of Rochester as a prospective undergrad. You know, you would stay over for like an undergrad weekend, and uh, and the people that I stayed with was like, "Let me play this music for you," and and they played it for me, and I loved it. And we went to a party, and it was playing again. Um, they might be giants. Oh, wow. <laughs> How funny is that? Yeah. I didn't hear them, I don't think, until Flood. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's, that was usually most people's first, uh, um, which was actually, it was Flood that what they introduced me to, because that was, you know, 1991 at that point. But but their first album was, uh, or they're, they're, in particular, it's listing the EP for Don't Let's Start. But I, mm-hmm. I thought that was the debut album not actually until 88 but at least some of the first stuff that they introduced was uh yeah i think before that i don't know too much about it but i think they they had a whole bunch of um like singles and kind of weird little songs they did up until up until they had their dial a song thing like you yeah yeah call a number and yeah so there's a lot of other uh, great records here um we are running along so i want to just take a quick look at the tv stuff you know i could talk about Sinead o'connor yeah. i could talk about brian ferry i could talk about uh what was the other one that i had in my oh heaven on earth by belinda carlisle oh god uh, oh so god timeless um, banana ramos uh, wow album. except now when i now when i hear that all i think of is that uh that black mirror episode i know which is a Same great thing girl. to think yeah. about because that's a yeah. the happy one um, and I remember uh, getting the, I got a lot of records from the library at that time. And um, one of them was Bananarama's Wow, <laughs> mm. which uh, I don't know why I should have thought that that was scandalous, but it does have like shirtless men that they're all like, you know, kind of groping. And, and I was like, oh my God, I can't let my parents see that I have this, which is very exciting. Well, it's not like it's Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, so uh, let's take a quick spin through TV. We've already mentioned Doctor Who. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, Star Trek also, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I have, like, a TV guide from... I, I saved the TV guide from the debut of, uh, of Star Trek. Or it wasn't, it wasn't the TV guide. It was, like, the local... It was the, like, insert that would appear in the... Um, <laughs> the in magazine. The newspaper for th- in the newspaper for that week. And so it had a picture of the enterprise D and it also had another special that said, welcome Rebecca, uh, welcome Rebecca. Howe, played by Kirstie alley, her, um, replacing, um, Shelley long in cheers. Oh, how funny. Um, Max headroom debuted in 87. Uh, I... Matt Groening's the Simpsons debuted as a short on animated mm. segments. Now as what's part that? of the Tracy Ullman show. Just kidding. 21 jump uh-huh. street. Uh, with a Johnny, a young hot Johnny Depp. Let's see. It's funny. We I don't know if I realized he was hot right away, but I know I realized he was hot later on. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think that was about the time I started realizing it. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was, no, I was going to say if you've seen uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, seeing him. Yep. Playing the the boyfriend. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, another of my girlfriend's favorite TV shows, Alf 
Oh, Alf the Animated Series. I take it back. That's different. <laughs> That's nobody's favorite. Right. Never mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, next, oh. next Generation was a big thing. I watched that with my mom. Uh, so I've seen a fair amount of that where I've only seen a smattering of the, the series after that. But yeah, it's a nice, a comfortable really? feeling. Go ahead. Uh, DS9, oddly enough, is the one I think that holds up the best. Uh, um, yeah, I've heard that. I didn't yeah. like it. <laughs> I never have liked it. I don't know why. It, it plays better now. I think you have to. For me, it's also something where you need to ignore the first season, or like oh, pick okay. out a few, a few episodes, a few specific episodes in the first season. Then after that, it gets very good. Like the second season was an immediate jump in quality. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever but, made it uh, to the second season. Yeah. Well, there you go then. Um, looking at debuting this year, uh, and it's funny. I should remember this. Uh, the tra- I mentioned the Tracy Ullman show, but the other show that debuted on the spunky little Fox network, uh, the brand new network at the time, mm. uh, was a little show called Married with Children. Oh, that's right. How scandalous that was. I know. It was even scandalous that, you know, Bart was so ill-behaved and said things like, eat my shorts. shorts. You remember that? Yeah. Like, he was oh, considered, yeah, like, uh, like, the way Beavis and Butthead would be looked at a few years later, you know? Well, or, you know, then South Park. Bad influence. Yeah. Well, you know, there was the quote of, you know, um, was it George Bush or whoever it was said that uh, we want American families to be more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, 1987. Innocent times. Oh, God. Uh, Looking at it's listing some syndicated shows. Um, Some of these you may or may not even remember. I remember mainly because of the theme song. Dino Saucers. Oh, God, I've never even heard of that. Uh, basically, think uh, think uh, dinosaurs from space. Why? Like a, a typical, you know, animated uh, good guys versus bad guys, uh, oh but they're, they're dinosaurs uh, riding spaceships. Um, I, I often see it listed on the list of, like, top ten favorite 80s... Um, TV show themes or, car, or animated TV show themes, which is funny because the show itself was forgettable, but it was an entertaining uh, theme song. Oh, I see. It was a toy tie-in. That makes sense. Yeah, go figure. Uh, Ducktales. Woo. <laughs> wow, all that excitement. <laughs> I actually um, never watched Ducktales. And oh god, a show that that died very very quickly. But I, I um, and the creator partially disowned which is an interesting story uh there was a somewhat obscure i think for most people called spiral zone uh it's it you can find most of it i think on on youtube for the most part but uh uh joe michael straczynski later on went to do babylon 5 wrote wrote it and and when they were um i mean he did a lot of stuff he did real ghostbusters he did he-man and stuff like that uh but spiral zone was one of those like it was a very adult thing for a even though they had a kid's tie-in and it was it was kind of frightening dealing with uh, mind control and world domination. They ha- and they had, it was a lot of cases where the good guys kind of were 50-50 on whether they, they won or lose. And it was hmm. it was a harrowing, harrowing show. And even so, apparently the network interfered with it enough or, or the production company interfered with enough that he washed his hands of it uh, very quickly. But even what existed there was, I argue that like, um, I, I think in the 80s, they weren't ready for that sort of thing. I, I've often said if they could somehow revive that and keep some of the ideas behind that. It was an amazing show. I'm going to have to read about this because I've never I've never even heard of that one either. Yeah. Um, which is weird because it sounds like the kind of show I would have liked. I'll mention one other thing, um, one other show. 
and probably we should get into the episode because <laughs> mm-hmm. we're almost 45 minutes. Sorry, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this as half as much as we have. Uh, Square One TV debuted in 1987. I saw that was there. I that was too old for for me, unfortunately. Um, I saw yeah. bits and pieces of it later on. You know, I mean, uh, I saw the clips with Math Man because hey, it's a Pac Man parody. I right, love exactly. That. And Weird Al did a song called Patterns. Uh, I remember taping that off TV uh, because I knew, hey, it's a Weird Al song. Uh, <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. I mean, I remember one of our. I can't remember what year it was. Uh, like, what year of what grade or whatever? Probably it feels like it should have been like grade seven or i mean yeah seventh grade he would show us episodes of square one tv in math class i don't know to get us excited about math who knows Mm. take the burden off him for a while i don't know but it was fun i I will mention two very very quickly because it's the very end of the year and then we can leave one of them was mtv remote control oh god (laughs) (laughs) kenny wasn't like the other kid yeah um (laughs) And also the first time I think Colin Quinn was really introduced. Oh, to the yeah. World. Huh. And December 28th, even though I was a fan of the, of the original comic book and was very sad how I felt like originally they dumbed it down, um, I still sadly enjoyed it tremendously. And everybody can probably sing the theme song, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Mm-hmm. I never got into that, weirdly. Hmm. Friends of mine were into it for some reason. I was just like, meh. Um. Cool. Well, that's 1987, everybody. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this little trip. That was back the entire to... entire year, like one to one. That's all that happened. I mean, this kind of stuff was where I was probably living in my head uh, instead of the horrors of middle school, which was maybe for the best. I don't know. And that's more important than say talking about Iran Contra or anything like that. You know. Well, you know. Or the or the or the the Wall Street uh, the Wall Street crash, and you know. I mean, who paid attention to that stuff? I was in middle school. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And uh, as soon as we come back, we will watch episode four of Blackadder 3. And we'll be back right after this. Okay, it is time to watch Blackadder. So I hope you have a way to do that. Uh, Maybe you've got uh, a videotape, um, weirdly. Maybe you've got a DVD or somehow a Blu-ray or a crystal from the future that contains all of TV that's ever been made and allows you to watch Blackadder. I thought I would act the entire thing out in real time. (laughs) Maybe you have Jeff in your living room and (laughs) he's going to uh, act it out for you. You uh, poor bastards. <laughs> it's very difficult to sync Jeff up, but all those other things you can probably do it. So as, as it's even worse to try and stop me, <laughs> as is probably obvious now, uh, we are going to uh, start and pause the video, and then I'll go three, two, one, play. We'll also hit play at the same time, and we'll watch this together. So let me get queued up, and I gotta hit pause and then go back. Are you queued up, Jeff? I am. All right. So we're back in zero zero. Uh, I will say three, two, one, play. Three, two, one, play. There's a lot close, of heart support up. in here. Yep. With that close up of his eyes, you could use him as a as a doctor, perhaps. 
Mm. If only he had played a doctor at some point, maybe in like a comedy relief special. They really need to put that on a DVD. Or any format, any format. I only have a VHS of it somewhere. Huh. I figure it's got to be somewhere. Interesting. It reminds me of a Gru the Wanderer issue. Is this a callback to Blackadder the first? Interesting. I'd never made that connection. I love how he plays dumb. It's so adorable. <laughs> ben Elton, everyone. Yep. <laughs> Wily Coyote rules here. Yeah, it checks out.
Yipes. <laughs> At least it wasn't a cunning plan. <laughs> <laughs> So he's a frat boy. <laughs> like comedy sports I was going to say that's improv Set <laughs> we never drank wine <laughs> He's got a way with women. Kevin Nealon. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> this is a very young one's move. <laughs> There's someone at the door, Neil. <laughs> There's someone at the door, Neil. Perfectly straight faces. It's the timing that makes this work so well. Right.
<laughs> that was also very young ones.
Oh, God. My subtitle says laughing cruelly. Join the professionals. <laughs> Aww. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> That's God. it. Play to the camera. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> so I did remember a little bit of that one. Like, oh, really? Actually, quite a bit of it. Like, I remember the whole Macbeth thing. I remember we talked beforehand when you said, you know, what do you remember for these series? Mm-hmm. And you specifically mentioned that concept. Yep, yep. And then uh, when he started doing the, the whole legs apart roaring thing, I did remember that bit. Mm. Did you remember the the specific ritual stuff? Mm, I remembered, like, the rhythm of it. I don't think I remember the words. Yeah. Add a... It's funny, I was about to do that too. Alright, so now we have seen Blackadder 3, Episode 4, Sense and Senility. Was that it? That is it, yes. I, right. I, I feel like of all the titles, this is the one that kind of um, stretches it a little bit. <laughs> like, a little bit. Like, I mean, the other ones you can make, I mean... Dish and dishonesty, okay, because he's kind of cheating with the election. I guess so. You know, ink and incapability makes sense for for uh, for the dictionary, um, and uh, and the ones to come uh, work very very well. Uh, but uh, and um, knob and nobility, I guess, kind of work for uh, for um, the the French aristocrat. But like th- this one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, this is the one case where I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think they just couldn't come up with anything else. <laughs> well, uh, I will say that I think this was my favorite of the season so far. Wow, we're we're going to split at this because uh, I think it's my least fa- it's my least favorite. <gasps> of the really? Season so far, and and, and again, um, a, a, I mean, this still tops anything from season one, and I would still watch this uh, multiple times. But I, I think it's um, it, at least for this season, yeah, it it doesn't hold up nearly as much as the other ones. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, the the as funny as the Macbeth stuff is, I, I I do feel like it goes on a bit too long. It feels a little one joke. It's interesting mm-hmm. how um, they're a little nastier than than um, they are. It puts in. It veers a little too much on the slapstick side in many cases. Like I feel like it's less wit and more. I mean, you commented that it was more young onesy, mm-hmm. uh, young young one-ish in that way. And I mean, you know, Elton wrote both, and he clearly wrote the. Uh, I mean, a lot of the, the funny wordplay stuff in here as well. So it's it's not you know totally do that, but but it's true that this one feels to me like it, it feels lesser to me than the others. Interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I. I'm not sure exactly what. I think part of it is the fact that Blackadder finally gets fed up and is about to leave. And so something sort of happens with that relationship, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the moment where Baldrick uh, forgets himself and insults him. <laughs> that much I like. Yeah, which that, is great. That for me is the highlight of the episode. And like the look, the look on their respective faces <laughs> after that kind of says... Kind of says all. I think part of it is that the guest stars or the parts that they're playing just get very one note and weary after a while. Oh, um, interesting. It's just it just doesn't. I mean, if you're going to compare them with with uh, with um, you know, say Robbie Coltrane or um, uh, or the uh, the the Pimpernels and and Chris Barry, you know, it just it, it it's it's it, oh come on, Chris Barry is doing one note, obviously, but. Um, <laughs> But I mean, like, I feel like they were strong in what they do, but it's just it they just got too annoying for me after a while. 
Weird. Um, I, I really I really enjoyed them. Like I liked uh, how modulated their voices were and how like uh, precise their tone and like how wonderfully they played the part of terrible actors. Like it oh, just yeah, they do they do it well. They so do it good. well. They threw themselves in and I think that as it, they portray the parts well. Uh, they mm-hmm. do they do everything that is asked for the, for and more. Um, like I think they're perfect actors for that part. It's just the part annoys me. Mm-hmm. Well, or I maybe can see if, that. We, if we had less of it, I think it would be fine. But it just it it, it goes on for too long, in my opinion. Um, and I, I mean, it sounds like I'm sounding like I'm hating on this episode. And like I said, I'm not. It uh, it's over anything in season one, and I would happily watch this one again. But um, it's it's a lower rung for me than the others. Well, I, I think it's fascinating that we have the such different reactions to it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like I clearly the, I clearly take offense at the idea of bad actors. <laughs> well, um I love the Ben Eltonian nature of it, like the, all those mm-hmm. young onesie things, although who knows that may have been Richard Curtis uh writing that stuff, but I, I feel like it's I, I feel it's as I said, very young onesie. Uh so I enjoyed that a lot about it, uh kind of combining the sensibilities of the two in a way that I found enjoyable. Um yeah, there's just a lot I really liked about this. I feel like I'll laugh more at it, but it could have been the mead. It could have been the mead. Well, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, the problem is now you have to watch it with the same amount of alcohol in every episode to make sure that you get an <laughs> even judgment, clearly. Yeah, this is not a scientific experiment, unfortunately. Uh, just, the validity right. is out the window. We're going to have to start over. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to get much more drunk for the other one. Sorry. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, so don't tell me anything other than this, but is your favorite of the season still to come? Possibly. I, I, okay. I need to judge after I see the episode. And I will say that, that the episode in question is the next one coming up without saying much more. Ooh, exciting. And, and you'll, you will understand why pretty soon into that episode, I believe. But, um, and in fact, originally I, I thought the order was switched and I thought that was coming up this week, it, which is another reason why I think I'm like, uh, by comparison, because I was really excited for the, the oh. next episode. Um, but um, yeah, in terms of, um, I mean, probably the, probably in terms of the ones that we watched so far, the Pimpernel, uh, Pimpernel episode is probably my favorite. Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, but uh yeah, we'll we'll see how we'll see how and uh, and I, I very much like the last episode as well, but uh, but it's it's the next one that I'm I'm uh, I'm very much excited for, mm-hmm. and I shan't say another word on that subject. All right, well, Al, I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this has been fun. Uh, I I know this episode ran a bit long, but I certainly enjoyed it, uh, and that's all that matters really. Not true. We care about you, our audience. In fact, we care so much about what you think that we would love for you to tweet at us at Starship Warlock. No podcast in the middle on Twitter. Nice uh, transition. Yes, right? I'm, I'm segueing tonight. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, please, please just let us know what you think. Um, if you have ideas for what we should do in Season 3, since we have only eight episodes of Blackadder left astonishingly uh, not counting the specials which we probably will watch but uh, it is coming up fast um and so jeff and i have been talking about a particular show but we would love to hear your ideas as well so 
that's, I think, about it for this rather long installment of Starship Podcast Warlock. Jeff, did you have anything else to add? Oh, God, what else could we add at this point? I don't know. <laughs> Let's right. start talking about 1988. All right, so 1988. All right, now we'll, we'll yeah. save that for next time, maybe. Mm. Okay, well, everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been Drew. This has been Jeff. And you've been listening to Starship Podcast Warlock. Warlock. Bye, everybody. Uh, oh, sorry. Thank mm-hmm. you.